Good morning, everyone. Hope you're having a good time. Hope you're not sick. <laughs> er. Uh, I gotta move this. I gotta walk in front of it. You need to get aluminum on. That's too heavy. Okay, I'm, I'm confident, certain, fully convinced that the highest measure or level of revelation is the fact that God is our Father. God is our Father. Do you realize how foreign, how unthinkable that thought would have been to anyone living under the Old Covenant. It's unthinkable to think of God in terms of being your father. The revelation they had, which Jesus hadn't revealed the father, they had a revelation of him, but it was uh, some of their own interpretation of what he's like. Some what they saw and observed. Some what they felt. They couldn't see him as we can see him because he hadn't been revealed in this way. So, you remember in, that's in Matthew and Luke, Thomas said to Jesus, in, he said to Jesus, he said, show us the Father and that's enough for us. And what did Jesus say to him? He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. The Father and I are one. So the revelation of the fatherhood of God didn't come until the new covenant. And when it did come, it was very difficult for people to transition and receive and understand and be comfortable with. Um, Francois Dutoit, who wrote the Mirror Bible and other things, but I think this quote is, a, is a, a quote that I have written down and thought about and pondered many, many times. He said, God's union with man was the original thought that inspired creation. Now, I'm going to let you just think about that a minute. God's union with man, which was the end result of all that Christ did, that the, the fatherhood of God, the sonship of men, I'm using that in generic sense, you understand, I mean men and women, and so does the Bible when it says that. That men and women have the capacity to understand God is Father far beyond what most of us are capable of receiving. We can understand more than we can receive sometimes. So that's what I want to talk to you about today. Just the sons of God, children of God, fatherhood of God. And I believe it's the highest order of blessing. The highest order of blessing that exists is the fact that you are a child of God. A, the, a part of the family of God. 
It is the end result, the, the climax, the ultimate end of all that Jesus did. All that he did. God is my father. Uh, regardless of what your family situation's been, what your father was like, all, all that kind of stuff. You just, the ultimate revelation that you'll ever have in your life that God's my father. My father is God. God is my father. The other way sounds different. My father happens to be God. sound weird <laughs> my father is God the Old Testament revelation of God primarily was his or emphasis was God's holiness the emotion attached to that or the the, the main emphasis Since the revelation is he's holy, the main emphasis of that is, is fear. You fear. If you read all of it, that's basically what they, the ultimate uh, relationship with God is to fear him. And they came to that conclusion for some pretty good reasons. Now the emphasis in the new, obviously, the new covenant reveals something entirely new. It reveals God as Father. And the stress here in the old was to be the danger of drawing near to God, right? I mean, you can't approach God. They wouldn't even speak his name. And it's wise not to approach him because, you know, going into the Holy of Holies where his presence was manifested was a death sentence. So the emphasis was separation. And the fear that exists in approaching God. What's the New Testament, the New Covenant of stress? The stress is on what? The boldness and confidence by which we are to come into his presence. Sons and daughters have access always. Sons and daughters have an opportunity of intimacy, of exp experiencing and expressing back love and closeness and uh, absolute confidence in relationships. We have absolute access to him all the time. We can express our emotions to him. We can express love to him. We can express devotion. We can express things that families express to one another that love each other. 
I always wanted a family. I mean, I grew up in a family. We were a little dysfunctional, but, you know, none of us would trade it, I don't think. I have two of my sisters here today visiting from Texas, the land of, the holy land, Texas. <laughs> I always wanted a family. I remember even in high school, college, thinking basically what I wanted. I wanted to have a family. I wanted to be married and have children and have a family. I wanted, and my thought was, I want to have a family, and I want it to be a family like this, where my kids and my wife looked forward to my coming home. We didn't really grow up that way, looking forward to our father coming home. And I wanted them to look forward to me coming home. So I flow in this family thing, in this seeing God as my father, fairly easily for me. I didn't have a lot of resistance to that at all. And it brought blessing to me. Even before I understood even some of the uh, larger concepts of the whole grace, the finished work of Jesus and all that, before I understood all of that, I felt like God was my father. I felt that way, that I could talk to him about anything. I figured he many times would be disappointed in me, but I'd tell him anyway. So that wasn't a hard concept for me. But I didn't, I met Jesus in the, in the, early portion of the Jesus movement in 1969. I didn't meet God as father, though. I didn't meet my father. I met Jesus. I didn't meet my father until sometime in the 80s. And it was a revelation to me that changed my life. God is my father. My friend Andy Taylor puts it this way. He says, God is what he is. Father is who he is. Father is who he is. That the ultimate result of the creation itself is our union with God, becoming one with him. Now, to me, theologically speaking, you don't have to get any deeper than that in your thinking. You just have to let that fill up all the space of your thoughts. God is my father. And he's a loving father, a kind father, a good father. Then you learn what kind of father he is. And he, he gets better the more you learn. The bigger he gets, the more you learn. The more you trust him, the more you learn about him. You learn about his faithfulness and his goodness. And all of those kinds of things fill in the picture for you as you learn who God is. So sonship is the highest order of blessing that exists for us. It's a higher level of blessing, for example, than justification. Now, you can't be a child of God without just being justified. So it's just a step on the way. It's a higher order of blessing than redemption. And you know how much I love that concept of redemption. That he paid, he bought us, he paid for us, he, he brought us back, he came and got us, he Paid the price for us. He who did not withhold his own son, but freely gave him up for us all, how will he not with him freely give us all things? He. So, the, the concept of God as Father is 
the most important thing I believe you'll ever see. Let me just read you a few things. Jesus came to reveal the Father. John 14, 8. I talked about Philip coming. He said, show us the Father. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. John 17, in his, in his high priestly prayer, he said, I've glorified you on earth by completing the work that you gave me to do. I revealed your name to the men you gave to me from the world. I revealed your name. Onomos is the Greek word. And that, that name there is a really a description of the person it names were important names meant something and uh, what that reveals is what the name reveals is that God is a father I have revealed him to you Luke 11 the the disciples came to Jesus and they said Lord teach us to pray you remember that? Lord, teach us to pray. What was the first thing he said to them? Pray, he said, pray like this. What was the first words he used in that prayer? Our Father, who art in heaven. <laughs> Understand his audience. A Jewish audience, steeped in the law, steeped in the old covenant. And the first thing he says to them on how to pray, our Father who art in heaven. It would have absolutely and totally wrecked their system of thought. They had never thought of God in terms of Father. Ever. Not one time. He's God. I'm not. And that's it. They didn't think of him as Father at all. Yet Jesus said... The day, really what he was saying was, the day is coming when everybody universally that understands this will be addressing my father as your father. Your father is my father. So that's what he did. He accomplished all of that in his finished work. It's amazing to me. John 10, 27 shows us that our standing as sons and daughters of God is unchangeable irrevocable, immutable, eternal, unchangeable. He said, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me and I give eternal life to them and no one shall ever snatch them out of my hands. My Father who gave them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of his hands. I and the Father, he said, are what? One. I and the Father are one. Meaning that we are one as they are one. We are a part of the family of God. It's the highest order of blessing that exists to be included in the family of God. If God hadn't wanted a family, why did he do creation? Why did he create the universe? Why did he do that? It's easy to see that God wanted a family. He didn't need one. He wanted one. Now I'm here to tell you that whatever God wants, God gets. And he got a family. That we are included in the activities and forever will be in the activities, the emotion, 
the feelings, the, the joy, the peace, everything that happens within the confines of the Trinity, we are included in. We're included in that. Whatever activity is there, you're included right now in the conversations, the feelings, the emotions, the security, the whatever is there among the Trinity, you're included in. Did you know that? And forever will be. Now I have no, I, I, you know, it's beyond my comprehension about what the possibilities of that, I don't know. I can't wait to find out more. It's eternal, it's immutable, it's unchangeable. It's not going to happen otherwise. Uh, more, I, I don't, again, I don't mean to be critical, but you know, I've heard this. I know this is essentially what's taught by and large by uh, people who really don't have much of a revelation of God's grace. They, they will essentially say, serve God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. Well, that's not what it says, is it? It says, love God with all your mind, your heart, your soul, your strength. But you turn love, loving God, you turn love into activity. Turn love into commitments to him. You turn love into uh, serving him. Serving God. Did you ever hear that in church? That you need to serve God with your, with your life? There's a difference in a servant and a son. Right? Big difference, right? Big, huge, life-affecting difference there, right? When the prodigal son left, was he still a son? That, not a complicated answer. Was he still a son? Yeah. Yes, he was. As a matter of fact, he was the one that decided to go back and said, you know, he's smart. He said, the servants had it better in my father's house than I had it out here. So I'll just go back and be one of them. Be better off. But when he got there, what happened? His father would not allow him to be a servant. Because he wasn't. He wouldn't let him be a servant. He did not allow that to happen. Here's the point of this about serving. We really don't serve God you have to let God serve you if God doesn't serve you you can't have any part in him that's what he said to Peter He's washing disciples' feet. Peter says, no, you're not washing my feet. I, that, that's not going to happen. I should be washing yours. not going to happen. He says, if you don't allow this, then you have no part in me. 
You have to receive what the Father came to give, what Jesus came to give. You have no other choice. You can't do it on your own. You can't accomplish anything on your own. You can't survive on your own spiritually. You can't be alive on your own spiritually. You have nothing to offer. You have to allow him to serve you. I heard one time somebody say that God sets a table for us. We don't set the table for God. You can't. You don't have anything to set on there. <laughs> so you have to receive. You have to allow him to serve you. Psalm 23, David saw some glimpse of this in what he said in Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures, leading me out of the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thou rod and thou staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a what? A table. You prepare, God prepares a table for me. And the, the symbolism there in it for me is, he has what you need. You have to receive it as he's offering it. The table is there, but you have to eat. You have to take it and receive it. So you don't prepare a table for God. He prepares a table for you. And in essence, God serves us and we serve one another. That's what he said in the upper, in the, yeah, the upper room at the, at the Last Supper. He essentially said, y'all love each other as I've loved you. You have to receive what I came to give before you can give what you have. You have to receive it. Meaning you can't love like God desires to really love through you until you receive his love. You have, to, you have to fully, please, don't ever shut that spigot off of receiving his love. Just let it get bigger. Just assume that he loves you more than any person in the universe. Out of all of them put together, he loves me more than all of them put together. But he loves you the same way. You, you can't stop receiving it and letting it bigger inside of you until it overwhelms your natural tendencies of resistance and you say, well, I guess this is just better than I could have ever imagined and I'm not going to put any kind of limit on it. That's what he wants you to do. So we don't serve him, he serves us, really. That doesn't mean that there's not some service, some things, some callings and things to do in the kingdom. But we don't do the stuff in the kingdom as servants. We do them as sons. It's the family business. We're owners of the business. You're not renting this house, folks. You own it. You can't get kicked out of it if you don't pay the rent. You own it. It's a part of the family business. That's the way to approach this, really, that I don't serve God. I serve the purpose of the kingdom of God, and I get to do that. It's not because I have to. I get to, and it brings me joy and brings me peace and brings me hope and brings me enthusiasm for life. It gives me purpose. It, it's a, a larger purpose than any other purpose I have almost. That's what it's like. Sons of God, not servants of God.
I remember in Oklahoma one time, in the church in Oklahoma, <clears throat> I was teaching about grace in like, I don't know, 80-something, 80 87-something. Now, that doesn't mean that I didn't have some mixture in my teaching at that time. I did. I just hadn't fully worked it out. But there was a lot of it that wasn't. It was, it was wasn't. I'll never forget people struggling, you know, struggling with the concept, struggling a little bit. And then one day after church, a lady in the church came up to me, and she was sort of excited. She wasn't excited. She was uh, timid, timidly optimistic. And she said, I, I think I understand what you're teaching, what you're trying to teach. But it makes me feel guilty. I said, I think you're getting it too. Because if you don't have some measure of resistance in your flesh to the grace of God, then you're probably not seeing the full measure of his grace. Because that's the way it makes you feel. It makes you feel like you're off the hook. It makes you feel, and you are. It makes you, it, it makes you feel, it can't be this good. This is better than I think it could ever be, or should be. It's just, it's too good to be true. Yet it is true. My father, who happens to be in heaven. Now, let me read you some verses, and then we're going to quit. All right, I want to read you a passage of Scripture from the book of Galatians, starting in chapter 3, and we'll end in chapter 4, verse 23, I think. But the Scripture has shut up all men under sin, that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. I love Galatians. But before faith came, we were kept in custody under the law, being shut up to the faith, which was later to be revealed. Therefore, the law has become our tutor to lead us to Christ, that we may be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we're no longer under a tutor. Verse 26. Isn't that a cool verse? For you are all what? Sons of God. All of you, Yankees would say, all of you are sons of God. Whew. All of who are sons of God? All of us. Whoever us is, all of us are sons of God. Through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you were baptized into Christ, having clothed yourselves with Christ. There's neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither slave nor free man, there's neither male nor female, for you're all one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you're Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. Now, I say as long as an heir is a child, he, go, he does not differ at all from a slave, although he's owner of everything. Makes common sense, doesn't it? 
but he's under guardians and managers until the, day, until the day set by the Father. So also we, while we were children, were held in bondage under the elemental things of the world. Absolutely true. We also, while we were children, were held in bondage under the elemental things of the world. But when the fullness of time came, God. I <laughs> See, I like doing it like this. In the fullness of time, when the fullness of time came, God. Let me tell you something. Don't you leave God out of this stuff. God's not through. God's not through with the church. He's not through with the world. He's not through. He's not nearly through. There's more to come. In the fullness of time. In the fullness of time. God. God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, in order that he might redeem those who are under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons, highest measure of blessing, the end result, the climax of the finished work of Jesus. In order that we might, might redeem those who are under the law, we might receive adoptions and sons. And because you are sons, God sent forth the spirit of his son into our hearts crying abba father therefore you no longer you're no longer a slave but a son and if a son then an heir through god he sent the spirit of adoption so to help us transition in our thinking spirit of adoption by which we might come to the conclusion the inevitable irrefutable unchangeable conclusion that God is my father and that I'm a son of God behold what manner of love is this that we should be called the sons and daughters of God highest level measure of blessing that exists you're a child you have an absolute, total, complete access to the Father. You can say anything you want to to him. And it always be done, if it's correctly seen, that any conversation, anything I'm working on, anything I want to talk about, any weaknesses I want to talk about, Anything that's going on in my life that I want to talk about, I have absolute full access to tell him everything that's on my mind and on my heart. And all of that will be done in an atmosphere of complete trust. Absolute and complete trust. Absolutely trusting that he loves me and cares about me. That he's kind-hearted toward me. He's positioned and dispositioned toward my blessing. All of those kinds of things allows this free access to the Father, free flow of thoughts and ideas, free openness before Him, and allow Him in the process to speak, therefore, into my life and help me in ways that I didn't even know I needed help. Does that sound churchy to you? No, that sounds like a family. It sounds like a son talking to the best father who ever lived.
The Father knows it and the Son knows it both. Therefore, their relationship is an eager relationship. I eagerly want a relationship with God. I eagerly want to talk to Him. I eagerly want to be with Him. I eagerly want to hear Him. I eagerly want all these things in my life that I knew I needed to want before but didn't want, really, because I was afraid. Because I was taught, basically, you go into God's presence, you're going to come away with a list of stuff you got to do. I don't anymore. He takes away from my list, not adds to it, and helps me. Never forget and never shortchange, really, the fact that you are a child of God and forever will be. Included in the activity, the feeling, the emotion, the hope, the blessing, the joy, the awe. Whatever is there among them, you're included in all. And will be there among you <laughs> when the time comes. You'll feel like they feel. Well, I'm not God and I don't pretend to be and I don't want to be. But I sure am glad he is. And I like being with him. Don't you? All right, once you stand and let's pray, Jimmy, come and play and just. Now, all the other stuff's important. I mean, obviously, justification, redemption, uh, all of the fundamental truths and realities that are there to make you what you are are necessary all of them were but if you understand the fatherhood of God and the sonship of men if you understand that I started to say that's about all you need to know that's about as deep as you need to get right there it really is and then when you feel the urgency from the Spirit to do something, it's kind of a joy to do and not a burden. It's something I get to do. And it always turns out better if I see it that way. And Father, we're so full of gratitude to you for all that you've done and all that you are. Thank you, Lord, that you're bigger than we thought. You're better than we thought. You love us more than we thought. All that you did was more thorough than we thought. Never a while, Lord, we thought that some of it was up to us. Thank you that it's not. That you took care of all of it. Thank you that we're in union with you. Jesus said we were in him and he's in you and you're in him and they're in us. <laughs> we're in union with God. Thank you for that thought. Thank you for the blessing it brings.
when we think it. Thank you for the finished nature of it all. That there's nothing left to chant. Thank you for our future, Lord, and eternity of time with you and all that that means. I pray, Lord, for these that are here. I pray, Father, for the coming week and the days ahead that our thoughts will return to the fact that I'm a son and daughter of God and that you love me more than my parents loved me. You love us more than any of our parents loved us. You have the capacity to do things with love that we don't yet. Thank you that we can receive more than we can understand about it. Thank you that we can feel it every day. Thank you that we can walk around feeling your love for us and care and concern for us. That in all of our human interactions with each other, Lord, that that can be foremost in our conversations, be foremost in our actions. Thank you, Lord, for your love. You're a good father and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen.